Goodness, have we got a show for you tonight? We had Texas State Championships this past weekend. And oh my gosh, let me bring on to you Chrissy Fountain. Girl, I cannot hear. I can't wait to hear about your weekend. Hey, Meredith. Hey, how are you tonight? I am wonderful. Good. Yeah. So, Texas States was held in Tyler, Texas this past weekend. And we had um, a massive field of 37 FPO ladies playing, which was really, really fun. And obviously all of the, the big pros were there, Ricky and Paul, and, um, you can go down the list of all of the guys. So it was very much a star studded weekend. And, um, it was I, like, it was great. I can't even, uh, you know, I don't know. It's just an awe to be playing in all these big tournaments. I'm kind of sad that the Texas swing is coming to an end. Um, but yeah, it was a really, it was a really good time. Um, as far as like me personally in my rounds, I, uh, I was a little slow out of the gates in the first round. And so I kind of, I kind of put myself out of it in the first round, but I clawed back as hard as I could and improved both of the second and third rounds. Um, but talk about a star studded weekend. Um, my very first round, I got to play with Paige Pierce and um christina lent to come and uh it was man it was such a fun card and getting to play with Paige pierce was such an amazing experience she is so supportive and so encouraging and um you know and she really like got pumped up for other people's shots which i thought was like really really cool and you know i would throw one of my signature lefty four four hands down you know this little tunnel of trees or whatever and she was just like oh my gosh chrissy like your flick you know she was just so complimentary um and so inspiring because on every shot man she just went full send like no hesitation like you know i'm gonna go for every putt because i i trust myself in the comebackers um, and so watching her play was like really, really inspiring. Um, we did have kind of an unfortunate event during the first round on hole three, Christina Lenticum was lining up a jump putt. And when she came down, she landed on a root of a tree. And if you guys have been to Tyler and know dogwood, there's like so many trees and so many roots and every single person on our card could hear the pop. And I mean, as soon as she went down, like, oh, it, it was, it was really tough. Um, and so she, you know, she got back up, she finished the hole, she played, she played two or three more holes. And then when she got to the hole that was closest to the parking lot, she told us before she teed off, she was like, you guys, this is my last hole. Um, and she went out with a bang though. She, uh, she got a birdie on that hole. So she left with pride. Um, but it was very, uh, it was just sad because Christina is one of my really, really, really close friends. And I was really excited to get to play with her that first round. You know, she kind of helped calm the nerves because she was someone who was familiar. And, uh, and so, yeah, that was unfortunate. Um, 
we also uh, teed very, very late in the days. It was like three o'clock or later by the time we finally teed off. So that was a major adjustment to um, just, I don't know, killing time in the morning. And, um, you know, we couldn't get to the course too early because of, you know, social distancing and COVID guidelines and stuff. And so, you know, just trying to entertain yourselves in the morning. But honestly, by the time it finally got to about three o'clock, you were pretty mentally fatigued because you've had so much anticipation and buildup. Um, so working around that was definitely a new, a new challenge. Um, but continuing the star studded lineup, the second round, I got to play with Des Redding, who, as you remember, came on here a couple of weeks ago and, um, wow. I asked her in the middle of the round, I was like, can I please come take upshot lessons from you? Because every single upshot she threw, was just like nestled underneath the basket, like no stressful putts. Oh, I was mm-hmm. in awe. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I witnessed that Victoria, like if she had a bad, like drive didn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She, her upshot game was like incredible. And, and we also had, um, so in the middle of that round, uh, it, a rainstorm decided to come and it was pouring rain for like three holes, like pouring rain. And, um, you guys know that Des, she was very open and talking about her hip, her hip replacement surgery that she had a few months ago and coming back from that. And on, on the first tee pad that we got to kind of after the rain had settled, it was very slippery. Um, and she had a little slip and, uh, and she said she put her new hip to the test. Um, but that one was really scary too. Like, I was like, man, I feel like the cards that I'm on are jinxed because somebody keeps getting like getting hurt or something, but she was a trooper and she finished the round and she was out there on Sunday and, um, you know, what, what, what an inspiration, right? Like, oh my gosh. Um, and then moving on to the third round, I got to play with Kona Panis, uh, who just won Waco a couple of weeks ago. So I had a very star-studded weekend and it was quite the experience getting to play with all of these um, seasoned touring pros. And so I just felt, you know, very, very grateful to, uh, to, to be where I was over the weekend. So it was great. That's amazing. And you deserve to be there. You, I, I love, I love following. I'm so proud of you, Chrissy. (laughs) Thanks. You know, obviously I would have liked to um, have finished higher up and, uh, but you know, the, the competition out there is, man, it, it's just, uh, it's balls to the wall for lack of a better term. It's so intense and everybody is out there with the same purpose and the same intention, especially on days two and three, trying to move up. Um, and so, you know, I did, I did the best I could, um, without getting any practice rounds in and, you know, coming off of a, a four and a half hour drive on Thursday night. So, you know, I, I, I have no, like, no issues or heartache or anything about the way that I played because it was just such an incredible experience. If you guys haven't been to, to Tyler and played at Lindsay Park, um, yeah. it's three courses and one park. And Dogwood is, I guess you would call Dogwood, like, the signature, more or less, course of, um, of that park. And so us uh, in the pro division, we played that course all three rounds. But the AMs, and this is actually kind of cool, they made a combo course of the other two courses. And from what I heard, it was like a 10,000 foot course. Like it was long and far and um, it looked really, really fun. So, you know, as much as I love playing dogwood, it would have been fun to get to experience that combo course too. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, 
super huge congrats to Haley King for winning her. I think it's her first national tour event of her first elite series win. Um, and then hats off to Ricky Wysocki too, who took down a, you know, with a commanding lead in round three. So congrats to the winners. They it's tough out there. So they earned it for sure. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you for sharing, Chrissy. Yeah. Yes. Have a good night. I want to welcome on Chris. Oh my goodness. What a weekend. Amazing. So proud of Chrissy. She always gets to uh, give us a little bit of inside the ropes by giving our team a little text during the day in the morning and the day after and we get kind of get to see how she's thinking and feeling. It's really uh, proud to see how she hung in there with those cards that she played on this weekend. Speaking of which, let's go ahead and get on to our uh, next guest this evening, rolling right along. We have quite a large, uh, a, a big show this evening. Um, this weekend is somebody that we've grown accustomed to seeing, and his game is just blowing up right now. It's amazing uh, to watch him uh, and what he did this weekend. What do you think about the play that he showed? Oh, it's great. I mean, I watched it as I followed him on YouTube. I mean, on uh, UDisc, and I didn't get to watch him, you know, visually. But I, I followed his score and watched, you know, watched him score well, and, and uh, got to see him uh, doing his thing out there. And uh, it's really it's exciting to to see that when when somebody from your your hometown uh, goes toe to toe with some of the greatest disc golfers in the world. Oh, yeah. You know, it's really cool because you know you can feel it. And and I, and I know that Jason can feel, you know, what the Houston community is, is uh, sending him vibes uh, because we're all we're all rooting for him and we're excited. We've had Jason on a couple times, yeah. a couple, three times. He's been on the show. He's won, he's won our match play tournament. We know how good he is. And uh, so we're going to get to pick his brain. Oh, yeah. Well, let's welcome to the show once again, Mr. Jason May. Hey, Jason. What's going on, big guy? Good to have you on again. Congratulations on a very successful weekend. Um, Man, I tell you what, uh, it was quite impressive impressive to watch you, but not unexpected. I think that we both, Hemi and I, have seen this coming uh, for quite a while right now, um, along with the team that you've uh, been on, been uh, been sponsored by as well. What an incredible team that you have down there. So you have a lot of talented guys to shoot for just in just in your own neighborhood, much less going to Texas State. So how did it feel uh, being out there this weekend? Well, I'll tell you, it feels amazing. And going back a little bit, it's always great to have awesome talent to push you all the time and kind of keep at that level and really kind of work at your game every day. So, you know, you got to surround yourself with people that you're trying to compete against. So that's a shout-out to them guys. Um, this weekend was my first national tour event. It was busy, busy, busy as can be for the last month with work, with everything kind of opening back up. So I've been really, my mind's kind of been off it a little bit. Kind of had some car problems last week, a little bit of that on the mind, things going on. Out of town all week and didn't get to practice the course. So going in, I just knew I wanted to just kind of play my game and have fun with it and just do the best I could. That was really, you know, me and AP showed up at I think 11.30 the night before. Wow. Yeah, that's what I expected. You know, I watched, I watched all day. I sat there and watched. And thank God for, for uh, YouTube and and whoever throws that footage out there for free at the, the uh, tour. And it's really cool to watch. Um, my question, or the thing I wanted to talk to you about was, 
You know, I sat there for, I don't know, four hours watching the men's and the women uh, open players. And, I mean, I don't think I saw one 20-foot putt miss the whole time. I mean, who makes every 20-foot putt, you know? I, I'm sure the cards you were on, you probably saw a lot of good putts like that. Did you feel the, the putting pressure, or did you did you catch fire because everybody's hitting putts, or what was what did you see from your perspective there, playing on those great cards with all those top players? He's frozen up. Um, until we get him back, you know, I just wanted to talk about that because it just it just blows my mind that they look so effortless and and I tell you know people that that are watching that don't know disc golf I just go that's harder than it looks you know um let's see we'll get out of here we lost we lost we'll Jason. Jason yeah he'll be coming back hopefully okay well, we'll, we'll get him back here shortly um but yeah that was uh quite a, quite impressive that he was doing that and I know that one of the things we wanted to talk to him about before he got back on was um, what it's like being on a card like that. What is your mindset? Are you interested in what the card is talking about? Or are, are people talking to you and y'all being jovial to one another? Is it, um, are we on? Yeah, you can do it. Okay. <laughs> um, or, you know, are you, are you just so laser focused or in, in your own high tension? It depends on your mindset. It totally depends on your mindset. I mean, if you're, if sometimes you, you get on a card and there are a bunch of, you know, really good players, you can just melt, you know, and you can just turn into a much worse version of yourself, you know. But then... There's this other thing that happens, and it's kind of like an osmosis. It happened to me at Texas States several years ago. I think it was like 2013 or 14 over there at um, Maynard in Austin. And uh, I got to play with Wysocki, you know, I made the lead card. I got to play with Goldberg um, and, you know, some really good players. Uh, Ron Converse was there, and it elevated my game. You know, I mean, I, I ended up playing much better than I than I had played. So it can go one of two ways. You know, I'm happy to see it that for Jason, it it went that way for him. You right. Know? Well, the same thing with Chrissy. She mentioned Paige Pierce being on a card, and yeah. and how uh, Des being on her card, and those. Sometimes you wonder, do you become more of a fan and enthralled in their game and watching what they do? Like she said, she wasn't missing an upshot. Everything was a tap in. That type of recognition, I wonder how it plays into the mind, especially since you're competing against them. It's, it's, a, it's a vibe thing, thing and it just, you know, it just really depends on the card, and um, it depends on the, the energy that's happening, you know. Um, a long time ago, he's back. I was playing. Oh, he's back. on, guys? Sorry about that. Hey. Jay needs to work on his equipment. I know. I'm working behind the king. All the kings are getting worked out right now. Hey, hey, no problem. Only if you had a good producer like we got here. <laughs> I know, man. I told you. I wanted to ask you about um, that kind of dream card you were on. I guess it was the second round. Yeah, so the first round I had finished and shot. Ended up just doing my best, working through the game as best I could. You know, the, I had a couple early jump putts that were one was about 50 feet for a birdie on a hole three, and that one kind of felt really clean. And then the next 
hole. I had a couple bad shots and I nailed about a 90 foot jump to save my par. And I knew that I was feeling good and clean. So just, oh no, it's unstable again. Yeah. So I knew that. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay. Sorry, guys. Um, I knew then that just feeling smooth that day. So I just wanted to finish the round clean, get the birdies when you can get them, and uh, finish that round out. And I didn't even know until the end what kind of round it was. I looked at my phone and I was getting blown up. And everyone was being really cool. And it was just a really surreal moment of what, how special everybody else. I had a lot more I had still had to do. Those, uh, those courses, you know, I don't think they're all that photogenic as far as like watching them, you know, like say like a ball golf course or something like that. Uh, it's kind of hard to get the angles and everything. And every hole looks kind of like there's just a whole bunch of trees. And, and uh, it seems to be, after watching it all day, it seems like it plays uh, strongly in favor of somebody like yourself who's got strong forehand and backhand game. And, and, obviously, and obviously, Waisaki and those, you know. Um, tell us a little bit about that course. Is that Dogwood, the last, the last one you played? Yeah, so actually all three rounds were at Dogwood. Okay. And, um, yeah. It's it was a little different from last year. Uh, last year, kind of left out of there with my tail between my legs. That place kind of chewed me up and spit me out, and you know, just kind of a little, little degraded feeling. But going into it this year, I knew that they played well to my strength, being a wooded golfer, and and I had an opportunity to score well and just keep it clean, and you know, do the best you can with a course like that because that kind of course is mentally draining. Every single shot you have to work through. Every single shot means something. It's not – you don't get extra little kicks that are going to usually help you. Usually they're out there to hurt you. It, it seems like it played in um, your favor to have a 400-foot flick. And, uh, yeah, you know, I'll shoulder. be honest with you. My flick, I could not throw a distance flick at all weekend long. Every single one, I, I threw into the woods and got a little lucky and was on the edge. All weekend long, it was just literally throwing – straight shots i threw that mockingbird many of times this weekend nice. I threw, yeah i threw that a lot this weekend Good call. Good call. Yeah. Yeah. between that and then i would anything that i had was just pretty much a chip up shot so it was leaning on the the zone shots coming out the side kind of just little forehand pop shots kind of get all the disc as close as you can for that putt and not have to worry about making these long comebacker putts for everything trying to run them super long ones just keep it close and really just the confidence in my, my putting this weekend. I, uh, I only missed one circle, one putt the first day and one circle, one putt the last day. Wow. And I switched putters uh, about a month ago to the penny putter. And I've been putting with that Victor two plastic and it's, it's absolutely fits my game perfectly. Awesome. Hey, a question. Um, it, it always interests me, especially when you're on cards like that with, with uh, touring pros as well. 
what was it like playing on your cards? What was the, you know, for no better word, the vibe? How did it feel? Sure. Were some friendly? Was it some much more competitive? Were people gamesmanship? What was happening inside the ropes there? Um, it was really more of a trying to keep it cool, you know, acting like I've been there before and knew what I was kind of doing and just really just feeling them out, letting them play their game, not rushing in. You know, it's easy to go out and fanboy in that moment. These are guys you're watching week in, week out on YouTube. But at the same time, you want to keep your mental game strong and actually continue to keep playing and not embarrass yourself. So going out there, them guys were awesome. I'll tell you, Greg Brodersby is one of the coolest guys I've ever met in my life. Super approachable, comes right up and talks to you. He's on your team from the first shot. Nico, everyone gets this bad feeling about Nico, some of these looks and these comments, but I had a great time with him. He was nothing but inspirational, well-executed shots. He had some shots that were off a little bit. He's a very emotional player, but then he turned around and executed shots that I was jaw, my jaw dropped for. So, I mean, I got to see some of the craziest golf out there. He shot nine down and missed a few, and it was crazy to watch. Mm -hmm. Well, um, so uh, one more thing about, about the course, um, because like I said, from my perspective, it just seemed like a wooded course with a whole bunch of trees. What, what's your, how, where do you put that course in your, you know, as far as, uh, your likes, is this well, something that you enjoy? I mean, I guess now you'll, you'll have it as a great, a little biased, right? A little <laughs> biased. Yeah. Had some good results out there. Um, Going in, I already thought really highly of this course. It's definitely, I hate to say it because I play a lot of different courses, but probably the best course I've played here in the state personally. Um, it reminds me a lot of golf back home, a lot of wooded elevation golf, distance woods. It's not just throw it around the corner and you're there. It's you have to throw up to a spot and be in that spot. And then the next shot is the important one. So it's just all about mental the whole time you can't let it lapse at all and the no out of bounds you know the out of bounds is getting off the fairway now you're testing your scramble game that all fits my kind of golf and I just really enjoy myself with that kind of golf and it, it's up there in probably the top five of all time for me for sure awesome yes uh, Sexton does a really good job of describing all that stuff that you're talking about and yeah you know from a, a fan standpoint um Absolutely. Makes me want to go play it for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's a great course. Yeah. What do you think about the um, the tombstone um, area? What what's that all about? I I don't get it. So why what do you, they do? How do you put the winner on a tombstone? You should put the guy that finished dead last. I know. I know. I think it's more of a uh, a way to kind of get their names out there of who who did well out there and played well without kind of having a big sign out front. You know, kind of a way to use the property as well as it kind of makes an obstacle. I'll tell you the first day I went, I'm bogey free this whole round. I want to be clean. And I'm, I'm last hole. I shank my drive to the right a little bit, hits a branch and falls right behind the tombstones. And I can either throw over top of these things and hit one or maybe play around the outside and probably get a bogey, risk it for the biscuit, go up the middle, just over the tombstone, get up there, have a circle's edge putt to finish the day. And when I finish that putt, the crowd, or the, the card got ver verbally excited. And I didn't really understand how good the round was. And the people on the fence were clapping too. So I knew at that point that I went bogey free and I just didn't realize that 
everyone had finished where they did. So it was a really cool moment. That was a surreal moment for me. Hey, there. Uh, one question about um, the scoring, because at one point it popped in that you were at a 10 down, and uh, I guess this was the second round, and then and then all of a sudden it popped back out. Did they did they input the wrong score? Because that, that jumped you up into 20, like, yeah. or something like that. So the it was actually the last round that happened, oh, and yeah. I, th- I think it was – it was actually a whole 16. I, I, I was up there for a birdie and I had made those putts all day. I don't know if she marked it or not, but I, I hit the chains and it fell right. I was the one circle one putt I missed on the last day. Uh-huh. Yeah. It. So that's that meant a lot. Cool. I mean, that was an important putt, you know, and, and what was important after that putt was to go out and finish these last couple holes strong. Don't let that one putt ruin everything you've worked for and embarrass yourself in front of some high name people, you know, to go out there and keep working. Yeah, well, I'm glad it wasn't a scoring error because no, I saw it the score. She inputted that score, and then and then all of a sudden took it away, and I was like, "What?" I was rooting for you at that point, and then and then just like you said, I was saying, "Just hold it together, man. Just par out, you know, exactly. whatever you got to do." And and you did just that. Amazing. So you don't. Uh, I guess kind of answer the question I was about to ask is you didn't really pay attention to other people's scores. Only the fact that you were driving. To- pay attention to you keeping your game clean was that your mindset going in you weren't looking at everybody else's until you were finished you know that's something that I've been kind of it's not something I I worry about I don't care if I hear other people's scores I'm not worried like it doesn't bother me I've just been really working lately on keeping my personal mental game strong so going into it I hearing these scores and different things didn't matter um end of one of those rounds when I'm just trying to keep my head in on the game and what's on my game plan there. And then I remember seeing someone sent me a picture, a screenshot of the disc golf network. And I was in, I think eighth place. And, and that, of course, then you're like, wait a minute, that's a, that's a big moment. And then everyone's blowing you up about how you got shout out on the disc golf network and Jason math is a man. And I'm like, Oh man, I, at that moment, you're like, all right, I can't be looking at this. Just get this out of here. I just need to keep working on what I'm doing. That, that's exactly what I was telling Chris. Um, those moments are how you build a career. You know, those moments are how you, you know, get to where Waisaki and those guys are, you know, because sure. um, they're just dudes. You know, they're just they're just dudes Absolutely. that climb this ladder, you know, and, and those moments when you see yourself in the top 10, no matter, you know, whether, you know, there are players behind you and you're going to be knocked down. Of course, you know, the higher scores are coming in, but you see it, you know, you visually, there it is, you know, it's like proof, you know? So congrats on your play, man. Yeah. Uh, Thank you for popping in and talking with us tonight. And for sure. uh, Real fast. uh, Let me ask, like, do you have any other DGPT or NT events coming up this year that you plan on playing? I don't actually, we're just keeping it local. We're actually making a trip up to Michigan the week before the DGLO. We're going to kind of play a little C tier up there, get some footage and stuff for the YouTube channel, Lucky Ace TV, and just kind of do our thing, but not really anything big planned right now. Uh, I know a couple of the guys are going out to Ledgestone. Oh, oh lost so I think again. Marcus will be out there in just. Hey, well, I'm, I'm really glad that you put it better than you did in Chris Cox's video that he put out. <laughs> uh, I think he's locked up again. Yeah, we got it. Um, Jason, can you hear us? Oh, 
Oh, we've lost him. Yeah. Well, he shouted out his sponsor, so we'll move on. We'll, well get... we have something for him, though. We yeah, we do. Him. Maybe we'll get him we right back. Get him back on. We, we got a gift for you, Jason, if you're coming back. Um, but yeah, it was neat. So there's a video. There. <laughs> so there's a video of it. Christopher put out, and Jason's missing some putts. I'm like, I bet you didn't miss those putts uh, up there at Tyler, but um, <laughs> nobody missed putts. How did people play? How can you watch a whole day and nobody misses a putt from 20 foot? It's crazy. Yeah, it's very it's difficult. Uh, if you're, it's especially neat. if you're competing against that as well. Makes or, me want to retire, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Makes you want to get out there and putt more is what yes. you should be saying. Now that I you know. have a bigger backyard, you no longer have the trampoline. That's right. You've got this open space. As soon as I... I mean, Hemi's backyard is big enough to really put a full hole back there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got a little four hole course. Back yeah, there. back there. He does. <laughs> You got into the woods. We're going to go over the fence. Out there with the coyotes. Yeah. It's, and, uh, oh. It backed up to a nice green space, That's though. Cool. So we, we um, he said, sorry, dude, we cut out. So anyway, we'll just show him. Yeah. We'll just show you what we got. Well, we got something Jay, for yeah, you, Jason. Hopefully Jason watching. Uh, oh. This is before. Hemi and I came up with this idea, and, I, and it's Hemi's brother who said the words. My but nephew. His brother... Our nephew yeah, found yeah. it from somebody else. So we can't really take full credibility for this, but we're taking credibility now for it. <laughs> it's ours now. And it's ours now. And Hemi has done an incredible job. I think we showed y'all this last week, but we wanted to give, we could. We kept thinking about who are we going to give this shirt to? And we kept harking back to, let's give it to our top fan. Top fan. Somebody who's been there with through thick and thin, and we can actually kind of watch and see that they've seen more than anybody else. And that just happened to be Jason as well. And, yeah, he and, was on. He was our top fan for like eight months. Eight months in know? a row. So uh, we so. want to give Jason this new design shirt that Hemi put out called. And I hope you can see it, Matt. Can you see that on uh, camera? Yeah, it looks like you can see it. Okay, it says "Disc Golf Famous," and this one's really cool because when you wear it, it changes all kinds of different colors. It's awesome. What's it called, Hemi? I think. Like Always forget. Iridescent. 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 Holographic. Holographic. Yeah. So, Jason, we're gonna. I know Meredith and I'll be seeing you soon for the Northside Chain Gang uh, meeting. And if I don't see you before then, we're gonna have this for you. Yeah. Congratulations, and also once again, thank you for being our top fan for so long. We do yeah, appreciate thank you, your Jason. support. We love you, man. That's not thank why we brought you on, but we brought you on for your success as well. And, and Hemi very well pointed that out. What an incredible job you did this weekend. We're also proud of you. Uh, that is for sure. And I know he would like to thank Lucky Ace Disc. If y'all didn't notice, uh, he's Lone Star, uh, yes, dude, yeah. making putts. Lone Star as well. But Lucky Ace Disc, I know, is his major, his yeah. major sponsor, as y'all can see. And uh, Jay has just created an incredible team over there as well. And congratulations to you, sir, for uh, putting Jason on that team. Um, but uh, do we have our last guest ready to go this evening? Or oh yeah, Matt, he's waiting. Do we know? Do we know? Audio's good to go though. Oh, he's yeah, he's he's listening in. Okay, so yeah, we're gonna have um, we're gonna have Mike Chuggy Allen, my good friend from Kansas City, and uh, in a second, he is the um, one of the reasons the Fling Show got started. Uh, Mike was always kind of um, helpful. Not kind of. He was very helpful in uh, answering all my concerns about, you know, 
how to work the Zoom or how to do anything technical. And and uh, my computer was crashing a lot. And, you know, just trying to do it ourselves before we got Matt and before Matt, you know, took over that. Save the sink, sink yeah. ship. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was very sinking ship. But oh. originally, Mike was there, and he was there for us all the time. Um, we go way back. Uh, Monday nights was our doubles uh, uh in uh, Kansas City, and uh, every Monday night uh, we'd hook up, and and Mike would would uh, be there with us, and uh, we'd end up having hot wings at some bar. I can't remember that bar, but anyway, uh, Mike, thanks for joining us tonight. Appreciate it. Hey, good hey. seeing you guys. You too. It's been a while. Been a long uh, It's time. been a minute. <laughs> yeah, it has yeah. been. Yeah, you you definitely. I think that was the, Outback uh, where we got the chicken right. wings from. Uh, we the uh, it was um, hot dogs, no wait, tacos. Oh, taco the tacos, night. yeah, it was taco. Night. Yeah, that's that'd it. be down. Uh, yeah, that's a whole nother place, it's not even there anymore. It's uh, long. <laughs> uh, we, I mean, those guys would order like 20 of them. <laughs> I'd be having 20 beers, they'd be having 20 tacos. <laughs> it's nothing wrong yeah, with a big pile of tacos. That was a uh, prairie center, that's where the course yep, was. Prairie center course. Yeah, and that's where I met Mike. And uh, Prairie Center is like the, uh, I guess, the Circle Three course, I call it. Because it has so many little tiny islands that you can run at, and then you can make the comebackers. I think I had four Circle Threes one round um, out there. But um, anyway, thanks for joining us, Mike. How's it going yeah. in Kansas City? What's happening up there? Um, we're thawing out and we're drying out and the disc golf is about to start kicking off again here pretty quick. Um, I'm in the middle of teaching school and we're getting ready to bring all the kids back this week. In fact, Wednesday, our whole school comes back and I'm kind of up in the KCK district. And, um, so it's going to be interesting kind of see what that looks like with all the kids storming back into the building. And we've been virtual all year. So we're having those kinds of changes going on. So been looking forward to the weather getting better. I was I was thinking about playing today, but we had 60 mile an hour winds. And I'm like, I'm probably not gonna do well if I go throwing 60 mile an hour winds. Yeah, I'm, I miss that actually. I don't miss that. Yeah, those those light Kansas breezes, those are so lovely to play against at times. But um, yeah, I was looking to hopefully play a little bit tonight just to get the edge off, you know, take that stress off. Disc golf yeah. has always kind of been that way to go out and have a nice walk in the woods yeah, and let yeah. my brain kind of decompress and, and throw some plastic. And, you know, even those nights we play league, it's like, yeah, it was pretty competitive for a lot of the people there. But for me, it was like the more I could relax and, and the easier I could just go out and throw, the better my game got. And so I just kind of embraced that concept and went and played and relaxed and just enjoyed myself playing all sorts of league nights and, eating tacos, like you said, and, and goofing around. So yeah, that's kind of where we're at in Kansas city. It's, it's getting better. It's becoming springtime. So Mike, uh, what are you thinking about all this new coverage? Have you been keeping up with all the new disc golf coverage that's been out and about during the winter time since you haven't been able to play much? Yeah. And, and it's been nice because teaching virtual, we have kind of some bigger gaps in the day where we don't necessarily have students live. We have like office hours and like we're just waiting for kids to kind of roll in. And so I've been sneaking over to like YouTube and some of the other live coverage of disc golf and just letting that kind of play 
while I'm grading papers and things like that. And it's like really nice to catch a lot more coverage of disc golf these days and see that that sport's starting to rise up. Cause I remember being in Kansas city in 2009, when we had the worlds and I worked on the committee to help host the worlds and, you know, went around all the courses and put up new signs and did all that work and, you know, saw the impact it could have back in 2009. And um, it was really cool to kind of see it starting to kind of get a second bump somewhere else in the world. Cause it seemed like for a while we weren't getting a lot of information outside of Kansas city. And so now I'm starting to get feeds and video and things like that from all over the country. And, it's been super cool to follow that. Um, I got some friends who work out of uh, Dynamic Disc in Emporia, and they'll take these like road trips. So they just go play disc golf at different courses while tournaments are around, you know, and try to find those old places. And I'll follow those guys and kind of they'll be, oh, this tournament, this is going on. You can't believe this. This guy's playing like crazy. And saying, you know, like Hemi was saying earlier, he sat there and watched nobody miss a 20 foot putt. I'd love to catch a game like that just to watch people not miss 20 foot putts. I can miss them all day long. I'm really good at missing. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I've, I've clanked many a basket from 20 feet. I, pro- I proved that in the last <laughs> tournament. I proved it for sure. So, um, um, yeah, that, that 09, that 09 worlds, that was Valerie Jenkins and her brother who won. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, people that don't know the Kansas city, you know, uh, the, Kansas City thing that is Kansas City. It's the heart of disc golf. And a lot of people don't really realize it. It's like the third coast. It's like, a, um, you know, it's huge. And what they did with the Cashins and all, you know, uh, and that local scene and you were helping out and, and I was lucky I got to play in it. And um, mm-hmm. it was uh, it was amazing, you know, to see what disc golf could be. I mean, they had you know, they had um, cranes for camera angles. It was pre before they had drones or anything. So they, they rented these freaking, you know, things. And, and so like out at Blue Valley, you had these angles that were just beautiful. I mean, just I mean, Blue Valley is a huge course. They almost yeah, needed just to shoot Blue Valley. That's course. a giant course. And yeah, then Blue I Valley. The, uh, like the longest drives out at the Liberty Memorial. And they had the big they had the guy up on the memorial shooting down, watching the guys do the longest drives out on the on the what is that, Penn Valley Park or whatever it is at the base of the uh, Liberty Memorial. And it was just I I, I kind of felt that there was so much energy at that point in time, it had to explode and go somewhere else. Yeah. So it was and nice it to see where it went to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, what do you think of the coverage that they're doing, the disc golf pro tour? Oh, it's great. I I mean Here's the great part about it. You get a lot of sports coverage for sports that are unattainable for the average guy, right? You're not going to start a basketball team. You're not going to start a football team. You're not going to build an F1 race car. You're not going to get into NASCAR as a side project. So it's nice to see him cover sports that people could pick up and go tackle and go do. And so to me, it's that, it's that connection between the, the, the average guy, the, the average Joe like me, the school teacher, you know, uh, just wanting to be a part of a sports scene, you could easily do it with a few league nights, get yourself going pretty good. I mean, up here, we still have almost a tournament every weekend. Somewhere within 50 miles of Kansas City, there's a tournament you could play almost any weekend. 
get out and start playing those tournaments and, and build yourself up. I mean, there's so many great golfers that are still in this city throwing on the weekends and, and during the week that you can hang out with, get a pickup game with, hone your game, learn from them. And that, that regenerative connection that disc golf has, the fact that it's finally getting some recognition and getting coverage is great because it's the average guy's sport. We can do that. You can go yeah, spend we're, 50 we're, bucks, get some disc and go. Yeah, we are finding out here after our year endeavor. This is just so you know, we're only one week away from the fling show being a year old. I, I knew you it know, was close. It, yeah. And I mentioned it to him earlier today. I'm like, it's yeah. close. Yeah, we yeah. talked about it. Well, because of COVID, uh, we have all noticed down here, especially in the Houston area, we can only speak for some local golf community in Austin, San Antonio, and some players that we've known. Um, it has just grown leaps and bounds. Going to a public course now that is free, you're going to be waiting. And it doesn't matter if it's during the week or during the weekends, even worse. Uh, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean it in how many people are out now playing. Um, That's a great one. The, the complaining down here now is over the fact that these tournaments are filling up in four minutes. Ooh. Four minutes. So when you talk about Kansas City and there being a tournament maybe every 50 miles, you're we have a tournament every weekend in here in Houston in some part of this city. And if not here, then like you saw in Waco, and then we had the Texas State, we had Texas State doubles. There's something going on every weekend that's involving anywhere between 80 to 140 players, and it's getting packed the moment that it opens. And that is the complaining that we're getting now from the players in this area is, is that if you're not home behind your keyboard, and Hemi and I were talking about this this afternoon, if you're not a keyboard warrior and you're not ready when they say that this is going to be released, and heck, if you're working, you're kind of SOL, yeah. you're not getting in these tournaments. Yeah. And they're not holding it up for open players. They're only holding up a few spots. And so the dilemma down here is that we stay all open and then move an, a, an AM card or an AM tournament to an AM tournament, an open tournament to an open tournament, because the participation is just really exploding down here. Are you guys getting courses? Because when that started to happen up here, courses started popping up. Oh, we got lots of courses. Like overnight we got plenty courses. of courses. I mean, we got we got courses all over the place. We, we do not lack for courses. That's and good. Yes, That's and, good and there are others that I do believe being built as well, but it's not a lack of courses. I mean, there's probably five, six courses that we can get to within a half hour. <laughs> there, That's there awesome. is a lack. There's a lack of <laughs> well, because there's so many players. Well, now. there's a lack of uh, you know family oriented putter courses. Yes. you know smaller, oh. simple little uh, bring your kids and your dog. The Prairie Centers. Yeah, Prairie Centers is a perfect example. Yeah, that's that. that course you go learn on. Yeah. Yeah, we need more of that. So, yeah, there's that. Um, but other than that, you know, it's it's hard to make great courses when when it's just so flat. You know, we're basically in a in a floodplain everywhere you go. You yeah, know? that's good to the bayou. We don't – that's the other thing people don't know about Kansas City. It's not a prairie, you know. Like when I was moving there, I thought it's just going to be some big, tall, wavy grass with the wind blowing. And – and there are hills and there are trees and there are lakes and ponds and there's a there's a notorious saying up here and i'm sure you remember it but every once in a while you'll get water worked at waterworks oh yeah because the hills on that course will put a disc 20 feet behind you if you catch the wrong edge or like that one hole um i can't remember which like hole 13 or something 
you could roll off and roll 200 feet. Yo, yeah. I mean, that's, we're talking hills like this, you know. That like you're probably, climbing, almost like hand and feet climbing up to yeah. a T-box. Oh, I learned, I learned the, uh, the low gear. Yeah, you yeah. <laughs> so you got to have a low gear when you play there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you can't rush to get to the next hole. You, you well, take your then time. Then you get a course like down under that's all trees and on the side of a hill. So every hole is like an angle like this, and you're trying to throw around and through the trees. And, yeah, it yeah. becomes uh, becomes a real chore to play those courses. That's cardiovascular. A lot of cardiovascular workout. I find that when we go to Shawshank, it's kind of the same thing because yeah. they've got a, a down the hill, up the hill, down the hill, almost finishing holes, and they're long for down here, 400-plus. And I tell you what, you do that three times. By the time I get to that third hole, I take a moment and sit down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Blue Valley, man, you you'd probably have a heart attack. Yeah, yeah Blue Valley would. Blue Valley is all vertical, and it's something like two and a half miles from the first tee box to the last pin. No. It's forever, and every one of those holes is five to six hundred feet. No. Some like Eight hundred feet. And if you it sounds like torture. You're throwing. Yeah, I used to play when they when they first opened. I used to play every weekend with Styles, and oh, yeah. uh, it was before they had tee pads. Oof. We would go out and hit it all the time. I just fell in love with it. It was like something from a dream, you know. I just I it's couldn't believe out. how epic it was. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful course. Beautiful course. But is it that still is that still open? Tenth or twelfth hill. <laughs> yeah, I mean you got to be in shape. To play, yeah. no doubt. It, I had a question about that one and swope. I heard there was a new swope. Is that true? Now, there is talk of a new course at swope because they pulled the old one, right? Yeah. They could put in soccer fields or something like that. And I keep hearing there's supposed to be a new course at swope, but I haven't officially heard. I know they had some pins set up for like object golf, like not baskets, but just, you know, hit the object and you're in. And, um, uh, but I haven't made it out to check it out because I've just not heard a definitive definitive word that it's open. And so one of my goals this summer is to head over there and see what that course actually looks like. And so, but I know they rebuilt, well, I don't know. Do you know about Birdland? Never played it. I think that was, is that I think that was after I left. Yeah. They took half that, of it out and then rebuilt the other half. And okay. it's actually a really nice course. It reminds you a lot of a, well, because it's on an old ball golf course. You okay. have some of those like big, wide open fairways that lead into narrow tree sections. Uh, a lot of like vertical elevation changes and things like that. And that's a really nice course. And they've got a new one south at um, one of the parks way south of the metro. That's really okay. starting to do a lot better. And I can't can't remember the name of it right now on a Monday night. So, yeah. Well, well I know Dick Parker was designing and, and, you know, instrumental in adding a lot of new courses. I think there was that one that had three courses on one property, you know, which one I'm yeah. talking. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Anyway, shout out to Dick. He was my first sponsor. Yeah. He gave me a, he gave me a shirt and uh, it meant so much to me and he misspelled my name. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think it said Hemney or something. I don't know. <laughs> but man, he was a great supporter, and, and uh, I, I love Dick. I think the whole community up here had that spirit, you know. I'd end up on a card with a guy who's, you know, killing it at tournaments, and I certainly wasn't, but it didn't matter. You played the game anyway. And they'd give you pointers. You just talk a bunch of crap while you're playing your league round or what have you. And it was just such a great vibe to go play. It was always relaxed. It was always casual. But the urge to throw better, better form, better technique, to pull those techniques from each other, to learn from each other, you know, that was my, that's my favorite part about Kansas City Disc Golf is we still have that kind of community when you go out and play. And, you know, when new people are coming to the game, they're always welcome. There's always somebody there that's going to give them pointers, help them out, show them how to play. And, you know, it's not the, well, I throw, you know, 10 under every time I play, I can't talk to you. It's yeah. Come on, join our card. Let's go. Let's show you some stuff. Let me, let's help you out. Yeah. I found that to be true when I was there, but it's the same here. You know, it's just a disc golf thing. I think. Yeah, it probably is. Uh, but yeah, Kansas city people, man, uh, I miss it. And, uh, um, yeah, I miss you. I mean, we, we I miss do need to exchange road trips, man. I need to pack no up the, the disc and haul the motorcycle down to see you guys and, and play that Shawshank course that you guys continually talk about. Oh, Hemi loves it. It's his favorite. <laughs> I've heard of a thousand times from him. It's like, I've got to go play this course. It's a great <laughs> casual course. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen photos. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, it's a beautiful course. It films very, very well. It's We have some footage of it that we shot on a couple of occasions. That's right. A great host. Too. Yeah, it, it definitely has a beautiful view. It captures it very well as far as just this golf goes but as far as the concept sometimes it's a little putt puttish <laughs> we can't go there we can't <laughs> we're, we're done with this conversation oh yeah sorry <laughs> hey, do hardware though. he does have hardware yeah when cap. i first when i was good <laughs> i actually won a tournament um but um anyway yeah we'll, we'll play shawshank we'll show you the we'll show you around uh, but Chris cool, and I talked about going to Kansas City, and uh, oh man, we get were, on up here! When we were talking to you, when this COVID thing is, remember when we thought maybe a month or two it'll be done, and oh yeah, <laughs> we're like, you know, we were clueless, but you know, yeah. it was good to connect with you in those early days because, you know, we we kind of had this, everybody kind of had this vibe, you know, we needed to come together you know it's he, like, came with, think... he came to me with this great energy about we want to do this thing and talk to disc golfers about disc golf and life and 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 you know ideals and all this stuff and you had so much energy and passion about it i'm like well, i'm on board man what do you need let's go this sounds like <laughs> fun man how, how lost in the weeds are you buddy and then you're telling me and you're showing me your computer and you had your cell phone out like videotaping your <laughs> Know what you were doing and trying to get it all hammered out, and it's like, God, we wish were not I was, smarter you know. than the fifth grader. It was you were dragging us along like a dragging a horse to water. We was struggle. Oh, and I was but thinking, I'm living patient, too far away. You're a very patient guy, man. I, I appreciate the help, and um, you know, if yeah. Matt, if Matt goes away and we have to do it ourselves, I'll be calling you again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it all again. But um, 
Well, I tell you what, man, I've been following your guys' progress, and, and honestly, man, great job on this show. I mean, I'm a, I'm a week early for the birthday, but that's all right. Um, great job on this show, man. I've watched as more people have come in, and and you have more like hosts and commentators, and you're bringing in disc golfers, and your interviewing's getting better, and everything's cool. You got your you got your cool, sweet Volkswagen background. It's it's turned into a heck of a show, man. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very yeah, much. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you you sharing our vision as well because when we got into it, it, it definitely were, was exciting and new. We couldn't wait to do something, and we weren't just going to sit around and and let Kobe just take over. We definitely wanted to kind of get out there in front of it. And we kind of got lucky because disc golfing this last year is just really really just exploded and uh we've been lucky to have such wonderful guests and wonderful co-hosts uh meredith and chrissy have really really upped the game as far as our our outreach to the to the the ladies ladies in the sport and uh that's that's something that every time we talk about uh, we talked about the tournament this weekend stephanie vincent and I mean, every, everybody Chrissy was mentioning, I was like, yeah, we had her, Des Redding. And, Des you know, on, Paige pretty, Pierce was Yeah, on. Paige, pretty cool. Uh, that, um, Cynthia won our freaking match play as well. Well, the match play stuff was great. I loved following the match play games. That yeah, was kind of fun to kind of watch how yeah. you guys played those all down. That was great. That yeah, kind of got me hooked. Chris's brainchild. And I mean, I wanted to do match play because I, I think it was a good COVID kind of thing, you know, um, because you don't have crowds and you can well, just show up and have your disc match. Disc golf is COVID friendly. Yeah. Disc <laughs> golf has turned, has turned into the COVID sport, you know. Yeah. We, we kind of worried because especially in Austin, you know, they started closing courses and they started ripping down basketball goals. And we thought they're going to take the chains, you know, what are they going to do, you know. And, and they didn't. And we ended up you know, being able to hang in there. So thank God. Yeah. Yeah. Up here, they're encouraging people to do it from a chain, you know, (laughs) I mean, that was one of the things they mentioned up here. It's like, if you got to get out of your house, man, go to the parks, check out the disc golf thing. There's things you can do that are inexpensive, safe, go do it. And and they're really pushing that kind of stuff up here. You know, it's like, get out outside. That works great. Go do that. Yeah. Yeah, and people need it, man. I mean, you see it, you know, uh, being a being a teacher and and uh, online teacher and kind of a Zoom specialist, you know. And I know that, <clears throat> and we all do from what we've learned over the the months is that kids don't like Zoom, and so that must be a challenge for you to to keep their attention and and uh, how's that going for you? I know that you said you're about to have live. Yeah. Um, um. I actually taught online back. for years, back up until about 2012, 2013, I taught online through Manhattan High School here in Kansas. And the thing I learned is like 20% of the student body in any high school can succeed with distance learning. But that's 20%. There's mm-hmm. 80% that are going to struggle. It's going to be hard. You're going to need to add extra supports. You're going to mm-hmm. have to reach out to them more. You're going to have to supply more um, supporting material. You're going to need to really reach out to that other 80% in bigger ways than you ever have before, because there's two things we can't do right now as a teacher. We can't see if they're struggling. 
Because mm. it's just a computer, right? Yeah. And most yeah. time they don't turn on their camera. So I can't see. I mean, that's the most powerful teacher teacher tool there is. Yeah. When you see that kid start to struggle, you mm. can jump in quick, add some redirection, throw out a life preserver or something, and pull that kid back. And we can't mm. really do it now. And the second thing is a kid really has to become an advocate for their own learning. And at the high school level, man, I was into explosions, cars, and girls. I wasn't, I wasn't out <laughs> fighting for my education, right? And high school kids today are no different than we were then. They're into what they're into, whether it's cars or music or chasing the opposite sex or, or eating tacos. It's not, none of that is education. And so trying to jump those hurdles and, and make those connections, man, I, I spend more time on email, phone calls, text messages, um, you know, chat windows, whatever form of communication I can get with a student and, and just reaching out every minute I can. Mm. It's probably been one of the toughest years ever I've taught. And that's been, started teaching in 92. Wow. So I'm yeah, my, I have a 17 year old in high school and, and he's not like the Zoom thing. You know, he's, he's, he's a, he's a hugger and he's a lover, you know, he needs that interaction, you know, and I think they all do, you know? Yeah. And I've got a 16-year-old girl. She was at home for a while, does well at school. Zoom did yep. not help her. She went right down the tubes. Now she had to go right back. Yeah. And it's just because of the way the, the formatting, it just didn't give her interest and didn't catch her attention. And yeah. so she didn't follow up on it, even though she was a great student beforehand. And I know Meredith, we all have high schoolers. Yep. Every one of us sitting at this table have a high schooler. So, yeah. and I got one in college. And so does Timmy has the one in college age as well. So we all know that feeling. Yeah. yeah. It's that human, that human interaction, that human touch, man, or, you know, the, the ability to read somebody's vibe, like you said, yeah. you know, to see somebody struggling, you know, by their body language. Oh, just their eyes alone will tell you. Yeah. And, yeah, you yeah. know, and, and teachers have had to go, you know, above and beyond to try to reach out and hold on to them as best they can. And we knew it was a losing battle for a large portion of our population. We knew that going in. That's... We knew we'd be crucified for it. But, man, I still wanted to grab as many as I could on the way through. And, mm -hmm. and I've drug a batch kicking and screaming through on my classes. And, um, I mean, I haven't done bad but it's still 50% that I'm holding on to and mm -hmm. getting through it. And so hopefully once we're back face to face, we can make up some lost ground. We can get some more things going and get those kids building stuff, making stuff, using their hands, moving around. Man, if I can get a little bit of something in before the end of May, I'll be a pretty happy camper, mm -hmm. you know, and I, and, if I can keep shutting out the noises of how big of failures we all are this year, I'll, I'll be okay, man. You know, yeah. I gotta get there's, a lot, there's a I lot of failing mode, you know, yeah. grab a hold of that PLH and, and shove it out there to the world and see how much comes back. You know, that's right. Mike is the happiness. PLH advocate. And uh, that stands for peace, love, and happiness. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can check out Mike on his Facebook page and he writes these great stories about interaction with his um, higher up, higher up learning friends who like to battle him out with their wits. And uh, mm -hmm. 
and Mike is a very spiritual, soulful guy. So I love those those interactions between you and your friends because there's some smart dudes, <laughs> and they they know a lot. But uh, yeah. Mike knows a lot about the about the human uh, condition, and I uh, love reading your articles, man. It's one of my favorite things to well, I appreciate do. It, man. And, yeah, and they get you know sometimes you know you said see more down there at the bottom. I always click to see more because I know that's where the good stuff is when Mike's making a post, you know. But, it's uh, just me dumping out my brain, but I've realized that over doing this for, God, it's been almost 10 years I've been doing these, like, brain dumps out on Facebook. And it's like, it always seems to go back to make that connection. Get out, see someone you don't know, listen to their story. Embrace their story. Love that person for who they are. And the world becomes a much better place, you know? Everything just seems to work better. And I remember when I came up with this whole concept of PLH in a staff meeting once. There are all these teachers and they're complaining and griping and angry and ticked off. And someone looked over at me and I'm just kind of leaned back drinking my coffee and not sweating it much. And they're like, what are you doing? It's like, I'm just embracing some PLH. And I don't know why that popped out of my head, but it did. And I'm like, what, what the heck is that? And I'm like, ah, oh, peace, love, and happiness, you know? If I can journey through this world peacefully and I can love people for who they are, happiness is going to ensue no matter what else happens. And for some reason, man, that goofy moment in that staff meeting with those angry teachers, about half of them started to smile. The world got a little bit better right there for me. My coffee tasted a little bit better. <laughs> and it's just held on for all these years. So it's like any chance I can get. And I mean, this summer I'm taking off in July on a motorcycle. I'm riding from Kansas City out to South Carolina, North Carolina, D.C. and looping my way back. And I'm just going to see how many people I can meet and talk to and listen to and and hear their stories and and hang out with them and you know, I'm going to try to post the stories like a photo of each person I meet as I go along and kind of build a little, you know, journey log that can, everybody can kind of follow if they want and, and, and see what I'm up to. And, you know, I got some stickers I've made the summer of chug stickers. So if you meet me, I'll give you a sticker. You can put it on your car or your lunchbox or your dog or whatever. And, you know, I'll talk to your dog. I don't care. <laughs> Tell me your story. I just want to know what everybody's story is. And so, you know, I've, I've known Hemi for a long time and we, he told me his story while I played disc golf. I mean, all those late night, you know, lights on rounds at night and, and regular league times. And then you introduced me to Chris when you get this crazy harebrained idea to do a podcast. And I realized he's pretty much just another version of you with a different hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Different facial hair. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, that's the, that's the whole vibe. And so I'm taking my, a few discs with me. I've got a couple of disc golf parks I'm going to hit on that road trip and kind of see what happens. And then, you know, maybe next summer I go down to Texas and I hit Dallas and Houston and Austin and make a big loop down through Texas, a big teardrop out of Kansas city. And maybe you guys can meet me at a few disc golf courses and, Play some disc golf that's and drink good. a beer. For sure. Oh, that sounds like a plan. I just read this the other day that the only difference between our species and the rest are that we tell stories. 
<laughs> and uh, and you're out there, you know, getting those stories. It's, mm-hmm. it's really great. I had a friend uh, spent a week in New York one time, and my friend was really, really good at kind of cracking people's shell mm-hmm. with like one little word, you know, or one little like he point out something about their shirt or you know and then before too long we knew each other somehow or you know we came from the same hometown or we had something in common but it usually just takes that one little you know that one little in and uh yeah so i'm sure you have strategies for that along oh, and, the way. and it's great because it doesn't matter where they are on the on the political spectrum or religious spectrum or life spectrum or whatever they can be the angriest person in the world, but if you stop and look at them and listen to their story, that will defuse almost anybody because all of a sudden you've given some sort of validity to what they have to say. And I don't have to, yeah. I don't have to respond to them with anything other than, and that's a great story. You've lived through some great stuff. Let me pick up the tab on your biscuits and gravy. I'm Thank you yeah. for sharing your story, you know, and then I can yeah. take that with me. And that, uh, you know, and every story you hear will affect you and make you different, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you'll take stuff away from that story. And so that's just kind of been what I've slowly morphed into over the years is, you know, making those connections that are so critical in this world. Cool. So Mike's got breakfast. Yeah, I like that. I got I'll get yesterday. breakfast. Mike I'm all right with that. Next time we see you. Right. In Texas, everything comes with a biscuit, right? <laughs> yeah, that's just a side item now, just so you know. That's not breakfast. That's just a little, that's a That's just a side item. I got you. <laughs> yeah, right. That is the signature item at Shawshank. It is. It is. It is. Hey, uh, Mike, we had a comment saying, hey, make a loop to Michigan in the summer or fall. <laughs> oh, I do need to get to Michigan. I got a buddy up there that I do need to go see in Michigan. <laughs> Because he talks about a, a few disc golf courses up there that are just absolutely nuts, and so and that, is a, that is a trip I want to make. Yeah, yeah. I've got to well, tell us a little bit about about your um, uh, robotics thing, and and have you been able to do any of that since COVID, or did that just get totally shut down? No, no, it it, it got a lot of it got shut down, but not totally. Um, the robotics thing I do is through a group called First Robotics, and it's an international robotics competition. So we have kids from Israel, Japan, Mexico, Europe, Australia, and every so often, like a couple of years ago, we competed against four teams from China and one from Mexico. And because it's worldwide, of course, we have to deal with the COVID structures of the entire world, not just the United States. Mm-hmm. So they stopped and thought, you know, how can we still keep these kids involved in robotics and building robotics and making that happen while still adhering to all of this? So they gave out like three different ways to compete this year. And so one of them was to build a robot and videotape it doing the these different acts, shooting a ball through a hoop and and tossing a, you know, moving a disc and and climbing up on a, on a bar and all these kinds of things. And you could videotape it. And then they would judge how well your robot did. And then you turn that videotape in and you share it with the other teams. And it's kind of fun. You get to build a robot. Another one was to um, design a robot game that could be done in the future. 
And that's the one our kids gravitated towards. So like we already built a robot that does that. That's, we don't want to build another one. Can we design the game that the robot will have to do in the next couple of years? And so they designed a bank heist robotics game where the robot had to go out, open up a safe, pull stuff out of the safe, get away from the bad guys. And so there are all these sensors and all this crazy stuff strapped to it. But the whole robotics thing still kept going. And it's great because that robotics thing goes back to that connections with people. I teach in a real low income district, as, as Emmy can tell you, KCK is not a wealthy area. It's, it's about as broke area as you're going to find in the whole metro. And so our kids either are at home all day or they go to work and they go to school. That's it. And a lot of my kids are like the primary breadwinners for their families. And so it's a pretty tough environment for our kids. But we try to steal them away and introduce them to these other teams whenever we get a chance. So going out to compete against teams from China, teams from Mexico, teams from Europe, really is a great thing for our kids to get a chance to do. And so I got into this whole robotics thing because, A, I like to build stuff. Like I restore old motorcycles, cars, boats. You know, one of my motorcycles is 50 years old and the other one's fairly new. It's it's just fun to build stuff. And when I took that and engaged it into this robotics thing and allowed my students to meet other students hear their stories, let those stories affect them, then share their stories back, I realized that this was way more than a football game on a Friday night. This was way more than, you know, a cross-country meet. Those are all great. And I coached football for 10 years. But now you've got kids who are learning about other people, other cultures, other places, and they're getting out of their own head and realizing how much more they can do than just sit at home. And so the robotics thing to me has a real personal kind of spiritual level to it that's different than almost anything else. And I, I've been coaching at my school now for, this will be seven years. And then before that, it was a couple of years with a different school. And um, it's just been great to watch my kids, you know, the kids that go through my robotics program, leave KCK and go do amazing things. And that's yeah. cool to watch, you know, that's, that's keeps me hopping in the spring because they're all graduating from college. So I'm going to college graduations all over the place. Wow. <laughs> what a gift. What a gift to yourself. To yeah, man. To go to a kid's college graduation, you know, that's not your kid, but just. Yeah, I don't have you. kids. I got a couple of dogs and a great girlfriend, but, you know, all these students of mine, I go watch them graduate college. I. I get wow. invited to their weddings and I, it's sort of like having a kid without the extra expense. So maybe it's the cheaper way to have kids. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I well, that's, that's inspiring. College, but it can't be cheap. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's inspiring. And we talked about early on, we talked about kind of, and Chris and I have talked about it before too, just kind of branching out and sort of, segueing away from disc golf and getting into more spiritual things and more soulful kind of things. And when I was driving over here, this question popped into my head that I wanted to finish with. Um, uh, first, you know, after this, after you answer this, we'll give you a chance to talk as much as you want. We don't have to cut it off or anything, but I, just, I wanted to get this question out because I was really curious 
as to how you would answer it. Okay, so your your um, your mail lady that delivers your mail, you find out somehow that she's God, and <laughs> she's she's the the creator of everything, and you find this out, and you also find out that you you have one question and only one question. It's kind of like the genie thing, and so you only have that one opportunity. So she shows up, and so what do you say to her with that one question? It's not really a question. And it falls back on who I am as a person, for, to be honest. I would go, tell me your story. I want to hear how you did all this. And just let that person tell me what inspired them to make everything, what inspired them to keep the world going, and then what inspired them to quit being God and become a postman. Because that is a really interesting thing. <laughs> great, great answer. And there, there may be some sort of, you know, bigger meaning to becoming a postman over God, but I'd love to hear what it is. <laughs> but yeah, I just ask him, what's your story, man? Tell me how you go from the supreme being and, and, and creating all this stuff. That's very, very enlightened of you because my answer if I was going to ask my own question is, can you give me the lottery numbers for Saturday? <laughs> That's <laughs> you a good know? second so, question. I like though, your man. answer. A good second I like one. your question better. <laughs> What's your question for the mail lady? Hello, <laughs> mail god lady. I just had this, this always had that movie where Alanis Morissette is God and you, ask her the question she gets there at the end of the movie and asks her the question and all god does is do what smiles at you no she just pinches on the nose and goes hey <laughs> and that was it like it was what she was trying to say is she asked her why she did it and she was kind of like it's just a joke <laughs> i have a feeling i'd be asking her a question and kind of give an answer like that so <laughs> I just kind of smile and say, nice job. <laughs> I like your work. I'm a big fan. <laughs> yeah. hey. I'm okay over here. Just don't pinch my nose. It's a great well, question, yeah. though, man. I dig that idea that God's a postman and you have one question to ask him. What <laughs> yeah. do you ask God the postman? God <laughs> so great, man. I love your answer. Um, and uh, thanks for uh, hanging out with us, Mike. Um, come back yeah. anytime. And, and, uh, Thank you again for help kickstart starting the, the fling show and uh, getting us going and being so patient. You know, I wish I wish I had video of my questions because, you know, it would be a comedy. And, if we had and, video of all the tech support via Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't think any of us yes. want to see that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it takes, I mean, it takes a certain kind of person to understand my brain you know i'm not i'm not not smart <laughs> it takes patience but you gotta, know, patience. you gotta know how to pull it out of me you know and you guys uh you do chris does too matt, as matt well. does very yeah. patient yeah by the way congratulations matt thank you thank you for picking up and making those guys tech savvy matt's the man <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if you ever have any tech questions now just yeah. yeah. Zoom, zoom me. <laughs> and we'll forward it to Matt. <laughs>
<laughs> You'll forward it to Matt. <laughs> right. Matt's not a postman, is he? <laughs> He's not a postman. <laughs> not a postman, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Just to be clear, it was a post lady. Yeah, oh, that's so, right. That's right. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure why it was post lady, but it was. Oh, well, thanks was... for coming on, and man, I can't wait for you to make the trip thanks down for here having Can- me. from Kansas. And I know him and I, if I can get in and pull that van out, we'll be heading to Kansas City as soon oh, as man. he can do it. I'd love, I'd love to do oh, that. I, I can't wait to see you guys if you come up. If not, I'll see you guys down there someday. All right. All right. Hey, can you leave us with some PLH wisdom? Awesome. PLH wisdom. Um, in this time, like, like where we are right now, where that pandemic has almost erased a year. And, and everybody is so stressed and so wore out. Anxiety's at a peak. People are at each other's throats over what's real, what's not real. And, and, and you just see the world swirling. Um, one of the best things you can possibly do, I think, and, and one of the things I think we all need to do at some point is to find that space, whether it's whole three, your favorite disc golf course, whether it's on my motorcycle, on my mountain bike, petting my dog, whatever, find that space. Take a b- deep breath and remind yourself that the greatest thing you have going for you is you woke up today. You have breath in your lungs. You're talking. You can see people. So use that power, that power of making sure you woke up this morning and just listen to people accept who they are, love them for who they are, and let whatever they share with you be what they are. There's no need, we don't need to change each other. We don't need to convert the world to something else. But we do need to understand what each other are facing. And it's it's such an intense time right now that those stories are going to be strong for a while. Because there's a year's worth of stress and anxiety and things that people are dealing with. They're going to make it tough to listen to some people's stories. But I think if we ignore stories of each other and we ignore that stress, we ignore that anxiety or we play it off, we do a disservice to each other. And if we get a chance to listen and absorb it and love them for getting through that and waking up just like you did every day and trying to do better every single day, We'll be better people, man. The world will be a much happier place to exist in. But we got to realize that when we wake up in the morning, that's another chance to do better. It's another chance to love another person. It's another chance to spread a little happiness. And so if we can head out in a peaceful way, love each other for who we are and embrace that, happiness will happen. Mm. And it will go throughout the world and be awesome. You put it out in the universe, it'll come back. Wow. That's perfect. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> you bet, guys. Yeah, man. Thanks for wrapping that up for us. And uh, we'll see you soon. Keep you us uh, I'll, I'll stay tuned and uh, I'll be uh, I'll be reading Seymour's. You got it, man. And, you know, <laughs> Love you, Mike. any of those you like, feel free to share them out, man. I don't mind. Uh, I do. I will, for sure. All right, cool. All you right. guys take it easy. All right. I'm out from Kansas. Peace. All right. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Come a long way. Wow. This is a trip to the past. It's it's amazing. Um, You reminded me of how 
completely idiotic I was. <laughs> we had a but lot. We got it done. You know, you you know? think about it, we had a lot more conversations too like that. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Not only was he helping him with Zoom and getting the show ready and all those things. In the end, the conversation almost always, and I don't hate to say dissolved, but that's kind of the only word I can think of, dissolved into that type of, morphed into morphed, that, kind of, yeah. in that kind of conversation. Always. And yeah. it was always a wonderful thing at the end. He, and you could see that he wanted to help and he did help, obviously. But uh, was very, very fortunate. Yeah, he's a very soulful dude, and it's funny because when I was there, you know, it was it was Mike and Loomis, and um, they were like inseparable. You know, those were the guys that I played with most of the time. And uh, there's a couple others here and there, but it was just Mike and Loomis. And strangely enough, both of them are storytellers, and uh, both of them are you know just spiritual good people you you saw that so really good having mike on it was it was it was really neat it's kind of a, a prelude to what we saw this whole year past years to meet someone like that at the beginning and then to continue to meet these types of people throughout our show throughout our journey through all the people we've had on yeah. to continue to meet such wonderful people from brazil or mm -hmm. hawaii and austin and all over we have met and the stories we continue to we hear. rave to friends about this community this community community and you know yeah. this is what y'all created is like an insight to the community it's yeah yeah well we're just we're just part of something like mike said you know he, he said it was a kansas city thing it is but it's also a houston thing it is. you know it's a dallas thing it's it's a disco it's a it is thing it is you know, Mike, uh, he, he kind of, everybody has that calming person in their life, you know, and especially at the beginning of COVID when everything was up crazy and, and we didn't know what to touch and what not to touch. And, you know, everybody was freaking out and there was a little bit of fear there. Um, but Mike was this calming factor, you know, I had, like you said, we had many of those segues out of the technical aspects of trying to get a podcast going where we just talked about life a lot and uh, it, it calmed my nerves basically so thanks mike thanks for coming on right on what a great show yeah we went a little long but i, I think uh i think it was necessary it's good to hear from uh jason and, and uh and yep good job man we we uh just got famous yeah you are our first disco famous guy and number one. But, welcome uh, to the big time. Yeah, buddy. welcome to the big time. Well, I guess that's going to wrap up the show till next yeah. week. All right. We'll have a lot more next week from Austin, Texas. And Chrissy, I'm going on a road trip, a little celebration of life. So we're going to throw some disc in the air for the first time in a while. I can't wait. It's going to be fun. I know Meredith's been getting out finally throwing him. He's trying to get over an injury. Plays with an injury. Doesn't tell anybody how bad it is, but I'm going to tell you what it is easy he said it was and he won't say that but it was but anyway um i can't wait to get back out there i'm finally kind of getting excited again and uh oh, it's just like you said i yeah, i think it's gonna wake up tomorrow and try to make people feel good you're in for a treat in being in austin playing those courses that's gonna be mm -hmm. gonna be good yeah. for the soul yep, yep it is yep. all right anything else yeah. that's it all right well Thanks. as we always say play, play this, this golf, golf. Throw something in the air. Hey, get some PLH. Peace.